a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Management Minute Home Team Podcast, the daily podcast for those outcasts working at home during this global pandemic. This podcast is a service of the MBA program in the John M. Huntsman School of Business at Utah State University. Our goal is to make working at home work for you. My name is Scott Hammond. I'm a professor of management, a consultant, and an author. And I've been working at home for six or seven years, and I really love it. I also love working at Utah State University and teaching the students that we have there who are immensely practical. And I'd like to dedicate part of this podcast to them. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about part two of our Lessons of the Lost I wrote a book several years ago called Lessons of the Lost, Finding Hope and Resilience in Work Life in the Wilderness. And the story that I'm going to tell you that moved me deeply is from that book. About five years ago, I was in New York and my pager went off. I do volunteer search and rescue work, and I have a dog that we use to look for people who are lost. It's a very well-trained golden retriever. His name is Dusty the Wonder Dog. And as a side note, he's been retired, right? And he's kind of in retirement right now, and Boo has taken his place. But I still do that kind of work and find it immensely rewarding. When I was in New York, I got a call from a small rural county in central Utah asking for help looking for a lost woman. The woman's name was Victoria Grover, and I was not in a position where I could help. But when I got home on Saturday night, I called to see if they still needed help, and they had found her. And on Sunday, I took the bold move and called her in her hospital room and said I was doing research on lost people and wanted to get her story. She spoke with me on the phone, and then later on Monday, when she moved up to Salt Lake, spoke with me again. And then several years later, we were able to go back to the Escalante Wilderness area where she had been lost and reenact for a KUED documentary, her story of lostness. Victoria taught me Nine Lessons of the Lost that I describe in the book, and that's what I'm going to talk about a little bit today. Now, the first thing I want to tell you is that Victoria began a long drive. It was about April, down towards central Utah from Salt Lake. Her son had just gotten married. She was going through difficulty in her business. She runs a medical clinic somewhere in Maine, and she's really the only medical professional. She's a physician's assistant, and she's the only medical professional for many, many miles in her neighborhood of Maine. It's a rural place, and she has hard times collecting the bills sometimes, and it's a hard place to run a business, but she really, really cares about the people she serves. She wanted to take a break, and she had participated years before, many years before, in a survival course in the Escalante Wilderness area, and she wanted to go reenact some of that. But she didn't want to go on the hardcore survival kinds of experience. She didn't want to get in too deep, and so she um, just decided to go on day hikes. She stayed at a small lodge in Boulder, and she told the people in the lodge that she's going to go out for a day hike, and that if she wasn't back by that evening, that they should call search and rescue. 
Well, she went out for her hike, and it was incredibly joyous. She just really enjoyed where she was and what she was doing. And she decided that she was going to keep going and keep going, and she went too far. So she realized she wasn't going to get back in uh, that night in the in the dark, and she was very nervous that they were going to call search and rescue. And so she crawled up under a ledge um, under a, where she, she was sheltered from the wind and built a small fire, wrapped her plastic poncho around her, ate her banana and her trail food, and watched the sunset, and then woke up very early the next morning to hike out. She hiked out down towards the ravine, down towards Sand Creek, and and the, the terrain got narrower and narrower, and eventually she found herself going down something that was very steep. She had to drop down into a place where it was emptied out, a waterfall run out. It was kind of like a pit, and she had to drop down into it. And uh, she had there was one place where she had to drop herself down into a sand at the bottom of it, and she had to drop about 18 inches. It wasn't a long drop. She's a very short person, but as she dropped, she landed on a rock that was buried in the sand and twisted her leg. And she heard a cracking sound, and she knew that she had a broken leg. As it turns out, it was not a compound fracture, but very close to a compound fracture. She could see the bone just below the skin in her leg, and she was worried that if that bone poked through, that she would bleed out. We know in search and rescue that when somebody has a compound fracture, that um, particularly in, a, in, a, in their leg, that uh, it's very, very serious and could be life-threatening. So she was in a very difficult position, and the only way to get out of this hole was to either get help or to climb out herself. She sat there in the bottom of the hole for 12 hours, calling for help till she was hoarse, banging rocks together, not looking at the, the way to climb out, the only way to climb out, and saying, I can't do that, I can't do that. It was a 12-foot rock that was at about a 45-degree angle, maybe a 60-degree uh, angle, and she had to climb up that rock, and she couldn't do it with one leg and two good arms. She didn't have enough upper body strength. She was starting to dehydrate. It was very, very difficult, and she looked at the rock and looked at the rock for maybe hours. She said, at some point, I saw myself backwards. Backwards, she said. Backwards. I can turn around backwards and go up backwards. And so she turned around and used her butt and laid on the rock and then skimmied up with her one good foot and pushed and pushed and pushed until she went, she got over. With her one good leg, she was able to push herself over. Then she turned around and dragged herself towards the stream, about 100 yards towards the stream. As she dragged herself towards the stream, she got out that plastic poncho, that $2 poncho, and put anything that would burn on the poncho. And when then when she got to the water, she had something to build a fire with. She drank her fill of water, and um, then she buried the fire in the sand and sat on the warm coals for the rest of the night with a poncho over her. Victoria did that for the next three nights. You see, she had told the people at the lodge that she was going to be gone, and she was sure that the search and rescue people were looking for her, but in fact they were not. And when checkout came three days later, the people at the lodge went to her room and thought that she had run away and not paid the bill. And so they called the sheriff, and the sheriff came, and he found a contract for her rental car. And he said, I saw that rental car at the trailhead. And he went up and saw that her backpack was missing, and she said, and he said, when did, was the last time you saw her? And they described four days ago, and he knew immediately that they had a problem. In fact, he was quite sure that she was dead by then, because usually people in that part of the world who are inexperienced, they're used to not bringing out alive. So Ray Gardner was his name, the, the sheriff's deputy, super guy. 
organized a search. That's when my page went off and I was never able to help, but he brought in helicopters and searchers and local ranchers. They brought in a state helicopter that flew over Sand Gulch. It has a infrared scanning device on it that allows you to see body heat at night. And they flew over Victoria late that night, Friday night, and she was so um, hypothermic and dehydrated that they she didn't show up on the, the scan system, the infrared system that they have. The next morning, Ray Gardner insisted that the helicopter fly it again, and they did, and when they did, they saw her. They had taken all the medical equipment out of the helicopter to make it lighter so they could fly longer. And uh, so they didn't have anything to treat her with. And it was a very precarious place to land. But they got out of the helicopter thinking that they were going to recover a body. And she leaned up and waved at them. They immediately loaded her into the helicopter after putting their jackets and coats all around her to warm her up and got her to the hospital where she was treated for hypothermia and for the leg injury and released. Victoria is a great example of the nine lessons of the loss. The first one is survival is insufficient. Victoria taught me that sitting there and thinking about just, oh, I'm going to survive, I'm going to get through this is not enough. You have to have a bigger idea. You have to have a bigger sense that things will be better. Think of that during this COVID situation. If we are thinking that in September when the virus is gone, that everything will be just back to normal, that's insufficient. We need to think how things might be better. We need to think how things might be improved, how we might be better, how we might be stronger, how we might do things in a better way, how our leadership might be more experienced. We have to think in the ideal, not just in the good enough. The second thing she said is think differently to see differently, see differently to act differently. Remember, she had that $2 poncho. And she used it to pull along the ground and with a half-cent match start a fire. That is how she saw the world. For a few minutes, she used just basic tools. She looked at the wall that she had to climb up and saw herself backwards and said, backwards, backwards. It's like looking in a mirror. Oh, I can go up backwards. She saw the problem differently. The third thing she said was, see how others see you. Think about how others see you. Victoria described how in the long hours as she sat there waiting for help, hoping for help, that she would think about how her son thought about her, how her husband thought about her, how her patients thought about her, what they thought she could do. Most of us, our self-image, our identity is fueled by others. Think of who we will be that's different at the end of the COVID experience. How will we be different? How will others see us differently? Will they see us as someone who is just a survivor or somebody who was able to improve the situation and build on the situation. The fourth thing is that you are never lost alone. I've known in search and rescue so many times when we've had a long, prolonged search, I've seen the parking lot start with 10 or 15 or 20 people and fill up and fill up, even over days. We looked for a young man up in the UNS once. He was lost for four days in the Daggett County area. And I was there the first day, there were 20 of us looking. The second day, there were about 50 of us looking. The third day, there were 120 people. The fourth day, there were 400 people looking from Wyoming, from Colorado, from Utah. Strangers had come. The young man we were looking for was um, in a wilderness therapy program. He had been in trouble. And they'd taken his shoes away so he wouldn't run away from camp, and he ran away anyway, and he'd been lost for four days. And when we finally found him, an old searcher uh, who was an old cowboy uh, brought him down on a horse. 
and he thought everyone was going to be mad at him. We cheered for him. The people in the camp cheered for him. And when I interviewed him later, he told me, that is the first time anyone's ever cheered for me before. You're never lost alone. People will come looking for you. Someone will rise up and help. That is the the beauty of lostness. The fifth thing is movement creates opportunity. If you do something, if you act, if you move forward, it will create an opportunity for you. There are many people in this COVID experience that are having a difficult time. They may have lost jobs. They may have their jobs being precariously threatened. But there are other people who have an increase in work, have more work than they can do. There are other opportunities. There are other places to go. So movement creates opportunity. Some small things matter and some big things don't. We are finding that out so much that some of the big things, the things that we thought were so important, the Olympics, the sporting events, the things that we scheduled our life around, the family vacations are not so important. And the little things, this relationship with the wife, the relationship with the husband, the relationship with the children, the relationship with the family, the relationship with fellow workers are much, much more important. Number seven, fear itself can kill you. Victoria told me so many times she wanted to just give up. So many times she could have given up. So many times she could have succumbed. She said, I was at the point where I could have gone one way or the other, and I chose. I chose to live. So many of the people that I interviewed for that book said that they came to that choosing point that they wanted to live. The eighth thing is no one is saved without hope. Hope is such a powerful fuel for us all. We have to have hope. We have to think of the ideal future. We have to think of what better is coming. It's not enough to think things will be just as good. We have to think of things as being better. And that's finally lesson number nine. When you are found, you are forever changed. That is true with our COVID virus mutual experience that we're experiencing as a world. We will be forever changed. This is a time when history is turning, and we will all remember it for better and for worse, for the people we lost, and for the relationships we gained. Thank you for listening to the Home Team Podcast. Each of our podcasts is designed to support you in your work at home, and we'd love to hear from you. We want to know what's working for you and what's not. I'd love to hear from you directly. My email address is scott.hammond at usu.edu. That's scott.hammond at usu.edu. This podcast is a service of the MBA program in the John M. Huntsman School of Business at Utah State University. In this world, one investment that's sure to pay big returns is education. Keep learning. Keep growing. Consider an online MBA at the Huntsman School. I love teaching in that program. You can work at home, never come to campus, but grow anywhere. I'm Scott Hammond. Hope to see you in one of our classes. 